بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد صلی اللہ رسول کریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائی از دا ٹوینٹی الحمدللہ وی موو آن ٹو دا ٹوینٹی تھرڈ of our dear mother, Sayyidah Khatija bint Khuwailid, radiyallahu. And I started the subsection yesterday, in which we're taking a glimpse into our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa on parallel love for his most beloved wife. So in another report, in Sayyid Muslim, number 5972, in the chapter on the merits of Sayyidah Khatija, radiyallahu. Sayyidah Aisha, radiyallahu, she said, Never did I feel envious of the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But in the case of Khadija, although I did not see her, whenever Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam slaughtered a sheep, he would say, send it to the companions of Khadija. I thereupon upset him once when I said, it is Khadija only who always prevails upon your mind. Upon this, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Her love has been nurtured in my heart by no other than Allah the Almighty Himself. Subhanallah. So let's look at it. So this is it. Sayyih Muslim. So what did our beloved mother Sayyidah Aisha say? I wasn't envious of the other wives of Rasulullah but only Khatija. Now what she meant by that was that I considered that I was the most honored amongst the holy wives. But I couldn't compete with Khadija. And then she said, although I did not see her. So now this is important. If you take this literally, that means that Khadija passed away in the year 10 of prophethood. So if Aisha said, I never saw her. That means either she wasn't born or she was too young to have seen her. So some use this report to prove the hadith where it mentions that at the age of six, at the age of six, she was engaged to the Prophet and at the age of nine, the marriage was consummated. So there goes this hadith confirms this report. How? Because if Aisha said, I was six when I got engaged and the marriage was consummated one year after the Hijrah, that means going back six years after one year after the Hijrah, that is, sorry, going back nine years after the first year of the Hijrah, that's her date of birth. So if you use that as a gauge, so if the marriage was consummated in the first year after the Hijrah, and she was nine years old, that means she was born around the fourth year of the prophethood. Right? So if she was born in the fourth year of the prophethood, Khadija passed away in the tenth year of the prophethood, Aisha was there for six. Have you understood? Right? So some scholars use this as a proof, this hadith, where Aisha herself said, although I did not see her, to indicate that she was very young, she was six. And they said, after Khatija's passing, of course, Rasulullah then 
got engaged to Aisha. Mm. So that's one way to look at it. However, another way to look at this statement of our mother is that she meant by that, that she and I were not co-wives of Rasulullah. So when she said, although I did not have the privilege to see her, I as a co-wife, for Aisha was just a child when Khatija had passed away. So if you take that meaning, that means that she was older than six. So again, I just wanted to highlight this here because some people use this as a proof that she was young. But then the hadith in Sayyid Muslim says that whenever Rasulullah slaughtered a sheep, he would say, send it to the companions of Khatija. So look what she said. I thereupon upset him once when I said, Khatija is the only one who prevails your mind. And then the Prophet said something unique about Khatija radiallahu Her love has been nurtured in my heart by Allah the Almighty Himself. Now think about that. Did he say that for any of his other holy wives? So what he was telling Aisha was, Allah Ta'ala has given me Khatija. Allah Ta'ala nurtured this love that you are so you know, envious about. Allah Ta'ala has given me that. So what he was saying to Aisha was, if you persist in this, then you are actually thinking ill of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So note again, Rasulullah always was highlighting the greatness of Khatija radiallahu In another report, and note again, Aisha narrates the report. So if she, as some people would make you believe, she had a problem with Khatija, then why is she narrating these reports? She would have kept quiet about these reports. I'm not going to mention Allah Ta'ala's nature, the love of Allah, uh, Khatija in my husband's heart. But she's narrating, showing she was a pure woman. In another report, again, Aisha again, she relates. I never envied any of the wives of Rasulullah as I envied Khatija. What would have happened to me if I had found that time? I to live with her as a co-wife. This was due to her frequent mention by Rasulullah even if he slaughtered a sheep, he would find out a friend of Khadija and present some of it to her. Mm-hmm. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 3816, Sayyid Muslim, number 2435, then number 2024, Hassan Sakih, in the chapter on piety and joining ties. So now there's a few things worth mentioning in this report. So this is in Bukhari and Muslim. So Aisha was basically doing shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that she didn't have to share Rasulullah with Khatija. Why? Because she was saying, if I'm like this, after she's passed away, what would I have been like if she was still with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? So she, she kind of doing shukr saying, Ya Allah, all praise be to you who's protected me from that. But then she said, he would find out a friend of Khatija and present some of the slaughtered sheep. Now Imam Tirmidhi, where does he record this hadith? Imam Tirmidhi records it under the chapter heading, Piety and Joining Ties. So how is that related to joining ties? So the scholars state that when a beloved family member passes away, one of the excellent ways to keep ties with the deceased is to show affection to her friends. Or his friends. Mm. So for instance, if your father passes away and then you start showing affection to his friends, you're keeping ties with your father. That's what he means. Mm. And also, what's interesting, the scholars point out, they say that when you keep ties like this, 
something very interesting happens. So for instance, you know, you may have experienced this. If one of your, you know, parents passes away and you get in contact with somebody who was a friend of your mother or father, you've got nothing in common with that person. He's got nothing in common with you except one thing, the one who's passed away. So for instance, what do you know about your father's friend? Nothing, apart from the fact he was your father's friend. So when you're sitting with him, only thing you're going to be talking about is your father. And the only thing he's going to be talking about is your father. So you'll get to know other things about your father which you never knew. And how pleasant is it when you learn something about a deceased family member that you didn't know? You, and that's one of the blessings of these ties. They'll start saying things and you think, oh, I didn't know that about my father. He's, oh yes, when he was young and we did this and we went to this place. Subhanallah. And you keep in the memory alive of the deceased as well. So again, this is the wisdom why the Prophet was doing this. He was keeping the uh, remembrance alive of Khatija radiallahu. Mm. It is also important to point out this was not just with food because he would slaughter the sheep and give it to the friends of Khatija. So was it only with food? No, it wasn't. Mm. In Hakim in his Mustadrak, Bazar ibn Hiban Sahih, Bukhari's Allah double Muflat number 232, Sayyidina Anas anhu, he said, Whenever something of value was brought to Rasulullah, he would say, take it to so-and-so because she was a friend to Khatija. Or he would say, take it to the home of so-and-so for she loved Khatija. So now, what's mentioned now? Something of value. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's food. So let's say some clothing came to the Prophet as a gift. So what the Prophet would do would he would take it, goes take it to the friend of Khadija or take it to the home of the one who loved Khadija. Now there's a difference. If you give a gift to somebody, you can give it anywhere. So take it to so and so, she was a friend to Khadija. So the gift could be given on the street. Mashallah is still a way of honoring the deceased. But look at the difference. Take it to the home of so and so because she loved Khadija. So when Rasulullah noticed that somebody had more love for Khatija, he would honor that person more. So how would he honor that person? He would say, take this to the home. So imagine somebody came, comes to your door, who is it? It's the messenger of Rasulullah. He goes, this is a gift for you because he said that you love Khatija. Why did he come to your home? Because you had love. Now think about this. How does all this apply to us? Don't we love Khatija? So, what do you think Rasulullah would do for us? So, if he knows that you love Khatija. So, think about that. You know, we're narrating, but sometimes you forget to relate it to yourself. I love Khatija. So, can Rasulullah, how? so yes, he can. He can make special du'as for you. If he knows you love Khatija. So, not again, the more you learn, the more you are entitled to these honors given by Rasulullah. Those subhanallah, those who have a true love for our beloved mother, according to the sunnah, are deserving of gifts. Imagine somebody, imagine saying this to somebody. I'm deserving of a gift from Rasulullah. You sound very arrogant making that statement. But then a person goes, how could you say that? Brother? That's arrogant. Say, brother, it sounds arrogant. Let me help you to explain. I'm deserving of a gift from Rasulullah because, I love Khatija. Then obviously with that distance from the Shariat, he doesn't understand. So you're going to have to explain to him. Don't you know that Rasulullah would send gifts to the dwellings of those who love Khadija? 
So he goes, well, he's passed away. How is he going to send gifts now? Doesn't Allah Ta'ala show him our deeds? Doesn't he make the offers? Won't he make a special, you know, remembrance of you if you have looked for Khadija? Of course you would. In another twitching report, it mentions, again, Aisha. Notice most of the reports are from Aisha. Sayyidah Aisha radiyallahu said, an old woman once came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa whilst he was in my dwelling. So it's Aisha's dwelling, Rasulullah is there, an old woman comes. He thereupon asked, who are you dear woman? In other words, he didn't recognize her. He goes, who are you, oh dear woman? She replied, Jothama from the tribe of Muslim. Now in Arabic, Jothama means nightmare. So why would the Arabs give names like this to their children? Because they thought this was like a kind of a way to ward off evil spirits. Give them names of, to fly in people. So this was their wisdom. So her name was Nightmare. My name is Jothama from the tribe of Musa. Rasulullah said, Rather, you are Hassana, the pretty one from Musa. Change the name. He goes, your name is not Jothama, it's Hassana, either pretty or the good one from the tribe of Muslim. Then he recognized, meaning that he realized, I know this woman. The Prophet then quickly said, how are you? How are your affairs? How have you been since we last met? The woman replied, we are very well. May my mother and father be sacrificed for you. Ya Rasulullah. So Aisha goes, I was, sh- I was surprised. One minute he goes, who are you? Changes her name. Then he starts talking as if he known her all her life. After the old woman left, I asked Aisha, said, Radiyallah, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, why did you give this old woman so much attention? He replied, O Aisha, Radiyallah, she used to visit us during the time of Khadija. Radiyallah. And indeed, you must know, keeping the old trusts is a part of Iman. Because don't you know that Aisha? <laughs> so let's look at this. So where is it recorded? It's recorded in Hakim in his Mustadrak, number 41 or 1-61 with a Sahih chain of transmission. Behaki Ibn An-Najjar, Kanzal Umar, volume 7, page 115. Hayat al volume 2, page 783-4 of the Old English Translation. Shaykh al-Bani, rahmatullahi, authenticated it in As-Sahihah, number 216. So it's an authentic report. So, this is the report. Let's take some lessons. Firstly, keeping in contact and showing reverence for one's deceased wife's friends is a part of Iman. Subhanallah, such are the sublime teachings of our deen. Now think about that. We would think this is alien. Your wife passed away. You even, you, you even get a person saying this, why are you talking to strange women for? And he goes, this is part of Iman. He goes, how is it part of Iman? Because that woman would visit us when my wife was alive. The Prophet didn't say it's a good deed. He goes, keeping all truth is a part of Iman. How many of us do that? As soon as a person passes in our family, we don't even know. And look how tragic it is. They approach you sometimes. Because don't you know who I am, son? And you say, uncle, uh, forgive me, who are you? You know, I used to work with your dad in steelworks for 30 years. Mm. And then you go, oh, uncle, I didn't know. Mm. Why is that sad? Because you were supposed to find him. Mm. He's approached you. Mm. So all of this is part of our deed. But 
And this is the hawla. You'll get people doing the riyah. And what do I mean by riyah? Person dies and they get, you know, it's all sure. Mm. I'm going to do 10 khatams. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Month down the line. What happened, brother? Fireworks finished. Mm. Firework season finished. Mm. This is for life. So imagine five years down the line, you see a friend of your wife who's passed away. And you, you know, you, you talk and you, you say, look, oh, how is everything okay? I haven't seen you, this, that. This is part of our deen. This is the Prophet said, this is a part of Iman. It's not alien, it's part of our deen. If that is your wife, then what about your parents? You know, think about that. So note, we're going through Khadija's life, but at the same time, we're learning very, very important commands. To conclude this inexhaustible section, such was our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa unparalleled love for Sayyidah Khatija that he would often be seen moved to tears and just remembering or seeing some of her personal belongings. So think about that. If he saw something that belonged to Khatija, because his eyes would fill with tears. So for instance, it is related that our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Sayyidina Abu Al-As ibn al-Rabi who had not embraced Islam at the time had been captured at the battle of Badr on the side of the unbelievers. After consultations it was decided that the prisoners should be ransomed. So what's happened? Like I mentioned Rasulullah had four daughters. The eldest Zainab was married to Abu Al-As Hala's son his uh, aunt's son. Their maternal aunt son. As fate would have it, he was on the wrong side of Badr. <laughs> but Allah did not take his life. He was caught as a prisoner. So what happened? Aisha, let's again note Aisha. I thought she had a problem. <laughs> Sayyidah Aisha, Lanka, she said, at the time when the people of Makkah sent their representatives to pay for the freeing of the prisoners of war, Zainab, Rasulullah's daughter, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was sent to free her husband, Abu al-As ibn al-Rabi'ah, with wealth, part of which was a necklace of hers, which had been Khatijah's, who had presented it to her daughter when Abu al-As married her. So what's happened? People are coming to pay the ransom to free their loved ones. So who is the one who's paying the ransom for Abu al-As? Is Zainab. And part of the ransom was the necklace which Khatija gave to her on the wedding. When Rasulullah saw the necklace of his late wife, he felt great pity and he said, If you wish to free her husband and return that which is hers, then you may do so. No, the Prophet didn't order it. If you order it, there'd be injustice. Everybody's paying ransom, then why is the Prophet saying, Let my daughter not pay a ransom. He just, you know, like if you wish, because he saw the necklace of Khadija radiallahu They all said in one voice, it is already done. Ya Rasulullah. Subhanallah. It is already done. So where is this record? So this is recorded in Abu Dawood, Ahmad in his Musnad 6-276, Hassan, Hakim in his Mustadrak 3-45, stated Sahih to the criteria of Muslim, Zahabi Sahih. Ibn Ishaq, Tabri in his Tariqh, page 1348. Sheikh Shibli Nu'umani in his Seerat al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, volume 1, page 270 of the New English Translation. 
Sheikh Ahmed al-Banna, Rahmatullah state, in his Bulugh al-Ma'ani, al-Amani, 13-101, it is related by Ibn Ishaq in his Tariq, its chain is strong. So in this Sahih Hadith and Abu Dawud and Ahmed, some say it's Hassan, this is what happened. So now, why did Zainab give the necklace? So you could, you know, thinking, you know, like people of, you know, perverted minds, they start saying, oh, Zainab knew that this would push the Prophet, so she'd get away with the ransom. So that's just a person with a black heart. The reason she gave the neck, because she couldn't afford it. Mm. Normally the man ransoms. What's the wife going to give? Mm. So she was forced. But when Rasulullah saw the necklace, imagine, his eyes filled with tears. Why is Khadija's necklace? And he still didn't order it. He said, if you wish to free her and return what is hers, you may do so. And not one, why? Because they're Badris. It wasn't the conquest of Makkah. When the Prophet was saying, give the spoils, and some of them didn't give the spoils back. They said, these are all Badris. All of them said, we've already done it, Ya Rasulullah. We've already done it. In other words, we excuse it. So note, what do we learn? Anything which belonged to Khatija will move him to tears. And even at Badr, the necklace, you know, the famous incident of the necklace. And just out of uh, complete the narrative, Abu Al-As was freed. But the Prophet told him something. He said, when you are free, send my daughter to me. Why? Because now the command came that a non-Muslim can, man cannot be married to a Muslim woman. So he told Abu Al-As, he said, when you leave, tell Zainab to come. Now was there anything to stop him from, from acting upon that? He could have said, yes, yes, I'll bring her. And then he came back to Makta, he would have thought, Dafa, why do I need to send my wife back? Well, look how honorable he was. He went back to Makkah, all unbelievers. They wanted to hurt the Prophet. They paid ransom. And he told Zainab, you need to go back to your father. So what do you learn about Abu al-As? Was he trustworthy? Even though he wasn't a Muslim. Imagine. No, you know, he's not giving back Pesa, he's giving his wife. And then Zainab was then, respectfully she went. And then the report actually mentions the touching part. She was pregnant at the time. And then some of the unbelievers, they thought this is disgraceful. Mm. Our fathers, uncles, sons, brothers have been killed at Badr. And Muhammad's daughter is openly going back to her father. This is not going to happen. Mm. So one of the people, and this person, this was interesting. You know, you, didn't, you need to know these people. This person was the brother of Um Salama. So Um Salama is another one of the Prophet's wives. Her brother caused Zainab to fall off the carriage. You know, he was provoking the, the, the whole Dutch. And she had a miscarriage. Mm. That was the brother of Ummul Mu'minin, Um Salama. The Prophet Sallallahu even forgave him on the day of the conquest. Um Salama, you know, uh, interceded for him. So think about the magnanimity of the Prophet Sallallahu so look what the hardship she was going through Zainab. She had a miscarriage. She went to... And Abu Al-As obviously is really hurt over this. But then Abu Sufyan whispered to Abu Al-As, why did you send her openly? He sent, send her during the night because you know that we went through, you know, the deaths of our loved ones because this is going to provoke the Quraysh. So now look how Abu Sufyan's talking. Abu Sufyan's the enemy chief and he's talking like a Muslim. He goes, why do you do that? Because you should have done it. And also him came, hint. Abu Sufyan's wife, and she goes, look, this is the matter between the men. Because if you need anything, come to me. I will help you. So you can see nobility even amongst the unbelievers. So anyway, what happened? 
the Zainab goes back to the Prophet and later Abu Al-As embraces Islam. And they were they came together again and there was no renewal of the marriage contract. So there's a bit of fiqh on this. Some scholars say that the marriage becomes intact. Some say no, a new marriage contact, contract needs to be made. And from that blessed union, there was two children. The eldest was Ali and the daughter was Umayma. These were the grandchildren of the Prophet Right? So note again, and Umayma later married Ali. So Abu Allah became the father-in-law of Ali, the fourth caliph. But he passed away by that time because he passed away in Abu Bakr Siddiq's Khalifat, Abu Al-As. So note, all of this are just adding details to the whole incident. But Badr, he was the unbeliever core of the unbeliever side. But Allah was protecting him from death, otherwise he would have entered the fire. SubhanAllah. So SubhanAllah, such was just a glimpse into the unparalleled love that our beloved Messenger had for his first and most exalted wife. So we spent two sessions discussing the love that he had for Khadija and note like I mentioned again and again most of the reports are from Aisha she wasn't hiding this fact but of course she had that natural you know jealousy which wives have amongst each other to compete for their love of their husband are there any questions let us ask سبحان الله بحمده سبحان الله بحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله